Hello everyone, welcome to this Human Life Podcast, the, um, what do I call it? The companion podcast to the book, This Human. Um, I am progressively reading through the book and basically giving you the, the author's notes version and going a little bit deeper into the exercises. So we are up to page 13 um, and we're at exercise 1.2, which is all about overcoming bias. So if you haven't listened to the episode beforehand, I suggest you do because um, it sets you up for this exercise. All right, overcoming bias. Working with your bias helps you become more mindful and open when approaching your work. Here are the steps. There's five of them. Step one, tell yourself the truth. (laughs) Be honest with yourself about your preferences and what is informing them. Step two, learn more about yourself. Explore your beliefs from exercise 1.1 and evaluate how they might bias your thinking or your preferences in different circumstances. Step three, learn more about others. Immerse yourself in contexts that make you feel uncomfortable. Learn more about people you don't understand and or are afraid of. Step four, seek feedback from your peers. There's nothing like somebody else being your mirror. Ask ask the people you work with to comment on their perception of your preferences or thinking. And step five, now take a stand. If you suspect the consequences of bias are going unnoticed, take a stand. Action is the only real way of changing thinking and behavior. So the undercurrent to um, this exercise, exercise 1.2 around overcoming bias, is really about expanding your circle of awareness around other perspectives on similar issues. So one of the things, and I often talk about this on, you know, over in Huddle Land as well when we're doing the Huddle Show, One of the things that technology has enabled us to do is become really a sort of narrow in our curated uh, inputs into our brain, right? So we can be fed more and more stuff that's more and more in line with our own natural interests. And it actually takes quite a conscious effort, quite a deliberate intention to read, you know, outside of those, I don't know, frameworks um, that set up the way that we exist in the world and what we're interested in. You know, one of one of the, the things that I do is I try to learn as much about different cultures, for example, as I possibly can so that I have some frame of reference when um, inevitably we come across the, the you know, diversity of, of humanity being a little bit more aware of different political views and and why people have them and what the underlying value sets are that sets up, you know, the difference between left and right and the difference between pro-environmental policies versus pro-economic policies. And being as, as, uh, you know, obviously clear on your position and um, what you believe and, and it's also really important to not only have the ability to change the beliefs that are no longer serving you but to reinforce the beliefs that actually have you be able to take positive action in the world but also with that understanding to be open that other people might have belief systems that are very different to yours and to understand that those belief systems that you have will bias your perception and will bias the way that you make decisions and that that's okay and when you do this work at least you're in a position to be able to declare them um, and compensate for them if that 
if your job calls you to. And I think the other thing, we're going to get to mindsets in a second, but I think the other thing that this work does is it uh, naturally creates a um, an open-minded disposition. Uh, and I think that is so, so, so crucial in the world right now. And, you know, those people who have the capacity to be able to understand other people's realities and to not assume that their reality is the way that they understand it to be because they've read about it in a book. <laughs> you know, I've gone on my own journey about deepening my understanding of Indigenous cultures in Australia. That has been a really important journey for me and my family to go on uh, because what we get taught in in school about the the Australian Indigenous cultures, you know, is from a Western perspective, is biased by those who colonised and it's just really important to get a, um, a different perspective to that for sure. Okay, moving on. Oh my gosh, the next page is a one of those massive um, quotes and it says, beginner's mind builds your ability to discern the way things really are rather than imposing your own meaning onto other people's realities by passing them through your own personal filters, which is essentially all the, the stuff that I just said. It's been summarized in that quote. Okay, we're up to page 16. Passing judgment. Sometimes you'll find yourself working with material you are unfamiliar with because it lies outside your personal life experience. In situations like these, we often grasp for ways to make sense of what we are discovering and, in the process, we make judgments. Our beliefs inform our biases and our biases lead to judgments. To uncover insight, you need to dispel thoughts about what is right and wrong, good or bad, acceptable or unacceptable. This makes you less likely to pass judgment on what you are observing. And I'll just give you a really, really really specific example we've been doing some uh, work in the justice system in you know people who find themselves um, before court there's usually some other um, you know systemic challenges that they're facing with whether it's socioeconomic or you know substance abuse or whatever it might be and having spent hours sitting in you know courtrooms and just observing matter after matter you get to come face to face with you know, what your own biases might be of certain situations in, in people's lives. So, for example, addiction to illicit substances, that we have some sort of a judgment, we have a scale in our minds in terms of what's okay and what's not okay and what's detrimental to society and what's not detrimental to society, what's tolerable, what's not tolerable. It was, so for me personally, it was really interesting to interrogate why I had more openness to someone using a particular substance versus ice for example and that I had this really strong position on how detrimental ice use was and that even that became challenged in some in some circumstances so it's just it's just really important to be um, especially when you're in the process of observation to not only be observing what's going on around you but to be also observing yourself and what's coming up for you and why that's coming up so that you can get as close to what's actually happening as possible all right uh, become a beginner our most precious ability as human-centered designers is to see things objectively and uncover deep insight 
To do this with wisdom, you need to cultivate a beginner's mind. This Zen concept focuses on seeing things anew, free from the filters of your beliefs, your biases, your past experiences and your expertise. Cultivating a beginner's mind enables you to practice the discipline of cleaning out any unhelpful constructs that may get in the way of seeing things clearly. The importance of cleaning out our brains is elegantly highlighted in this Zen story. A professor visits a Japanese master to inquire about Zen. The master serves tea. When the visitor's cup is full, he keeps pouring. The tea spills out of the cup and onto the table. The cup is full, says the professor. No more will go in. Like this cup, says the Zen master, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? When you are working with insights and ideas, you need to keep your mind open. Beginner's mind is a useful state of being to ensure that not only are you ready to know things differently, but you are also open to new possibilities that may arise from that new knowledge. Here's a quote on the next page. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. Zen master... Shun Ryu Suzuki. So um, there is a different. Are we going to go to the mindsets? Let me have a pick. Oh, we are. How funny. Um, all right. I'm just going to go straight in. What I was going to say is that there is a different. There is a difference between a beginner's mind and an open mind. But um, that's all just about to be uh, exposed as I read through this exercise. All right, page eighteen. Exercise 1.3, adopt a different mindset. There are many different mindsets that can be occupied during human-centered design and, and I would add leadership, and uh, we tend to cycle through them all. Let's go through them. Beginner's mind, forever learning, seeing things anew, living in the present, not the past. So beginner's mind is really about the ability to be um, almost childlike in your mindset where, you know, you're seeing things for the first time. You know, I was having a conversation the other day and um, was reminded of the first pantomime that my mother took me to. I was probably, I don't know, grade perhaps, like, you know, five years old. And it was the first pantomime that I'd ever seen. And it was um, Puff the Magic Dragon. I still remember Puff the Magic Dragon and he had a magic tail that that he lost and and um, you know all the kiddies were sitting up the front in you know cross legs on stage and and I was just I just remember I was just absolutely enthralled I was so in awe of what was happening in front of me because it was the first time that I'd ever seen anything like it and I think obviously as adults who've you know been walking the earth for decades it's difficult for us to um, unless we're constantly putting ourselves in completely new situations, which I encourage you all to do. But, you know, in our day-to-day, it's really, it's very, it's not very common. But I think what I'm trying to get to here is that, A, to, to know that there's this thing called beginner's mind um, and to also try and make sure that you give yourself to the permission to actually see things in you, see, see what you notice if you don't assume that you know everything about the context within which you're doing your work. Okay, moving on. Liquid mind. 
ability to change perspectives and positions on things. Now, this might seem like a really um, straightforward thing, but one of the uh, aspects of reward and recognition, and I think that we get this uh, mostly in our professional sort of lives, is that we're often rewarded to make a call on something and then to stick with that decision. Sometimes, you know, we have the motivation to to stick to our guns no matter what. And a liquid mind actually says that, well, if you live if you're working in complex situations and I would say anything to do with designing, you know, product solutions for groups of people or leading group or leading groups of people, those situations are inherently complex. New information will always present itself through action. And so having a liquid mind is a necessity in being able to say, well, the decision that we made two months ago uh, was the right decision with the information that was in front of us. But now we have new information and we need to change our mind. And having the wisdom to know when to do that, that's the, that's the key, that's the art. Open mind, inviting new perspectives and beliefs willingly augmenting your own thinking which is actually made possible through having a liquid mind creative mind giving yourself the permission to see that everything is up for questioning that anything can be changed in creative ways so creative mind even though i've i've drawn a brain with a beret and a paintbrush (laughs) that's not necessarily what i mean um only so not it's not about creative thinking it's actually about having the courage almost to be able to question the things that are no longer questioned so operating models and reasons for being for organizations and the importance for profit and profit orientation or borders (laughs) Um, just understanding that understanding the context within which you're leading or you're you're doing human-centered design and having a keen awareness of what certain hidden attributes that everyone's taking for granted might actually need to be questioned to be able to find the most impactful pathway forward okay three more to go discipline mind practicing mindfulness working with beliefs and biases and practicing self-awareness as a practitioner so working through this book is an example of having a disciplined mind and then Having that presence in your work uh, is also an example of having a disciplined mind, aware mind, having the ability to be situationally present, knowing what is happening around the topic of observation so that your thinking is not narrow. So um, I'll read the next one and I'll talk about the difference. And the next one is whole mind, which is being able to see the whole system knowing the interconnectedness between the insights and ideas you are exploring and excavating. Um, I'll just read the tip and then I want to talk about aware mind and whole mind. Being aware of the mindsets you inhabit helps you understand which ones you need to occupy in any given situation and which ones you may need to work on. So again, this is that tip is really just pointing towards the um, introspective, reflective nature of the work that we go through in how to be the person designing for other people and and in that understanding of self it gives you more autonomy and more power actually in um, directing your own growth as a practitioner and a leader but I just want to talk about the difference between aware mind and whole mind there's a difference between being able to see things as a system which is what whole mind is about so it's about systemic thinking and 
being aware of the different aspects that make up that system. So that's the difference between an aware mind and a whole mind. The whole mind can hold all of that complexity as an interconnected system. And the aware mind gives you the um, capability to be able to identify what all of those moving parts are in the first place. Okay, cool. All right, we're on to exercise 1.4, which is on page 19. Be careful of certainty. One of the biggest blocks to cultivating a beginner's mind is certainty. When we are seeking insight or coming up with a new idea, we are not certain of anything and that is completely okay. Sometimes, however, we work with people who have a lot of certainty about the direction of a project or come up with a solution very early in the process. This needs to be navigated carefully. Certainty can be one of the greatest risks to open-mindedness. Gaining new knowledge requires us to expand our belief system, but when we are sure we already know something, new information can't get in. So this is a full cup scenario. Certainty about your current reality translates to refusal to learn, whether we do that consciously or unconsciously, by the way. Certainty stems from past experience. It is informed retrospectively. When we are creating new realities, we are also creating new experiences that have no neural pathways associated with them yet. So why rely on pathways that already exist and that come from a different time and a different context? Okay, let me explain what I mean there. Sometimes, sort of in my career, I've been in a position where I've needed to advocate for a new way of doing things or a, or a solution that was not on the cards and that has become available to us as a, even a topic of discussion through you know some insights that we've got from doing some research and there are some people in the room that have been with the organization for 40 plus years or that have that have that are experts in the field of I don't know data science or anything that might be sort of impacted or correlated with the solution that we're putting forward and they come from a place of look we've we've done this before we've tried this before it's not possible kind of let's move on and and are so certain are so certain of their knowledge in that situation that they have already decided that the proposal won't work and that is an example of where certainty is the the kryptonite of having an open mind and it's a really important one to reflect on in terms of when, because we all do it, right? We all do these things of when you perhaps may not have been as open to something because you've experienced something in another time, in another place that sounds similar to this that didn't work so well. And one of the things that I, I often say in those sorts of situations is to is to believe that that experience and that expertise and the wisdom that you gained from that um, is present in the room today. So you don't need to be explicitly advocating for that knowledge. It's okay for you to be open-minded and to create a space for this new way of doing things or this new solution to exist in idea form for a little while longer before cutting it off as a possibility. And know that even if we were to pursue this new idea, that experience of knowledge from, you know, that previous fa failure is in the room. 
So it's unlikely that you're going to get the same result. But that's quite a scary, that feels quite scary for people. So um, certainty is something to be really careful of in our line of work. Especially, as the next um, paragraph uh, says, uh, during the early stages of insight and idea conception, we must be willing to remain open. We must learn and learn and learn and believe that we don't really know anything about how this work may pan out. In fact, we don't even know how to talk about it yet. Sometimes those ideas are still so abstract that we find it difficult to do them justice. Just the very nature of putting things into into words is a reductive ex- exercise because <laughs> you're having to you know form sentences and structures and you have to make selections of the words that you use and sometimes I know that's been my experience I haven't been able to when it's so early on in the idea formation I've all, I've felt not always but I have felt that I haven't been able to do the idea justice um all right well I'll say this last little bit and um end it there um Throw certainty out of the window at this stage. You're going to need it later, but it's a thorn in your side right now. Um, all right, I'm going to do this final little exercise because it's not very long and then uh, we'll wrap up. Okay, so on the same page, uh, page 19, exercise 1.5, be mindful of judgments. Being mindful of whether you're being judgmental or being judged by others is crucial for making sense of your own work and the dynamics surrounding it. So um, use this checklist to help you remain open and empathic about the content of your work and the people involved. Empathy. Are you aware of the other person's experience of their own reality? If not, find out. Situation slash act. Are you separating a situation or action from the personality? Be careful not to attribute your thoughts about a situation or act to the personality of the individual or group involved. So this is really important. And basically what we're saying is, you know, don't get personal. Um, There's a difference between what people do and who people are. Values. Whose values are you using to evaluate the situation? Yours or theirs? You should be understanding their realities using their value system, not your own. Now, this is really, really important. I should have made that a massive quote, actually. Um, of course, our natural, um, our natural uh, approach to making sense of the world is to do that through our own value systems. I mean, that's kind of kept an obvious statement. But when we're, in, when we're actually engaging in the task of understanding another cohort's reality, we also need to connect with what their value systems are and what value they put on certain things. Um, it's like the, the valence of something. What is, what is, how positive or negative is their assessment of a certain behavior that is within their cultural context and use those values to be able to evaluate the reality that you're understanding And the final one is knowledge. How much do you really know about the situation? Often as we learn and understand more, we become less certain about our judgments. And actually that's another thing to be wary of with certainty because um, some people are closed off to to learning more information because they actually don't want to change their position on something. 
So that's an interesting statement to leave you on, to contemplate and ponder. Um, Thank you for listening. I'll be back, uh, I don't know when, next week maybe. It depends on how often these podcasts are getting uploaded uh, to talk about the next section of the book. And we'll be starting from page 20. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.